Despite being one of the top tourist spots in the Philippines, Baguio City has one of the lowest crime rates, not just in the country, but also in Southeast Asia. Which is why everyone was shocked when news broke out about a massacre committed in the barangay of Kayang Hilltop in 2014. There were five victims, four of which were only minors. This is the story of the Baguio Massacre, the most gruesome crime the summer capital of the Philippines has seen in recent years. Kayang Hilltop is a small barangay or village surrounding the area where the streets of Kayang and Hilltop meet less than a kilometer or about half a mile away from Burnham Park in Baguio City. The barangay is so small that its population, as of the 2015 Philippine census, is only 147, and this is in part because it is a marketplace filled mostly with low-rise buildings, usually four or five floors high, often with only the top floors serving as residential areas while the first and second floors are commercial spaces. One family, who had just begun living and conducting business in Kayang Hilltop, was the Nosiete family, moving on March 30, 2014 to an apartment on the fourth floor of the Chan building along 3rd Kayang Street. The family was composed of Joey and Vilma Nosiete and their children 19-year-old Jacqueline Kale or Jackie, a college student at St. Louis University in Baguio, and 8-year-old Joey Jr. During the day when both parents were at their nearby carinderia or small eatery, the apartment and the children were being taken care of by their stay-in household help, 32-year-old Jonalyn Lozano. At around 4pm on April 6, 2014, a Sunday, a man came knocking at the Nasieta's apartment door looking for Joey, but both Joey and Vilma were at their carinderia. The only adult at home was Jonalyn, watching over Jackie and Joey Jr., who was playing with two of his visiting friends. Jackie texted her mother, quote, May bisita si Papa. Hindi ko alam kung sino, pero nakita ko kausap si Papa dati. End quote. Which translates to, quote, Dad has a visitor. I don't know who he is, but I've already seen him talking to Dad before. End quote. Vilma replied to the text, but didn't receive any more messages from her daughter. At 6.30pm, two and a half hours later, still with no word from Jackie, Vilma decided she would check on her children herself. There seems to be no information on where her husband Joey was at this time, but Vilma left her waitress Samantha in charge of the eatery so she could return home. Vilma knocked several times at their apartment door back in the Chan building, but no one responded. She tried calling for her children and their helper Jonalyn to open the door which proved useless, and since she had no key to the door, she had to borrow a duplicate from a woman named May Dumpit Fernandez living on the fifth floor. Vilma wasn't ready for what she would see next, for inside their apartment, lying in pools of their own blood, were the bodies of her son's friends, their household helper, and, sustaining the most number of injuries, her two children. 19-year-old Jackie was stabbed 19 times on the neck, chest, abdomen, and back. 8-year-old Joey Jr. was stabbed 14 times on the chest, abdomen, and back. And 32-year-old Jonalyn was stabbed 12 times on the neck, chest, abdomen, and back. 
Joey Jr.'s friends who had visited him to play were 9-year-old Raymond Adrian Del Mundo and 7-year-old Dave John de Guzman. Dave was the son of a writer for the community weekly Amian and Balita. He sustained 8 stab wounds on the torso and back while Raymond sustained 5 stab wounds on the neck, chest, and back. The five victims were rushed to the nearby Baguio General Hospital and Medical Center eight minutes away, but all of them were declared dead on arrival. When police arrived at the Nociete apartment to investigate, they noticed no signs of forced entry at the front door. Since the occupants weren't likely to have simply left their door open or unlocked in such a busy neighborhood, this meant the suspect was probably someone the family knew. Inside the apartment were definite signs of struggle. Personal belongings were all in disarray. Blood was scattered on the floor everywhere. In the first bedroom, what was formerly a pool of blood on the bed had been absorbed by the pillows. Drops of blood were scattered along the hallway leading to the second bedroom, inside which was a pool of blood on the bed. Drops of blood were also observed inside the bathroom. Some valuables, such as a black Acer Iconia tablet in the first bedroom, were left behind by the killer, making robbery an unlikely motive. Latent prints and blood samples were taken from the crime scene and sent for analysis to the Philippine National Police Headquarters in Quezon City, Metro Manila. The weapon, which the autopsy of the bodies would later reveal to be a double-bladed knife, was never recovered. A survey of the rest of the Chan building revealed that the other unit on the fourth floor was unoccupied. The building itself had no security guards or cameras, and since the surrounding area was a marketplace, with some neighbors singing karaoke at the time of the crime, any commotion inside the Nociete apartment would have been drowned by the noises outside. Fortunately, there was a witness who had seen the man knocking on the apartment door of the Nocietes at around 4 p.m. This witness was May Dumpit Fernandez on the fifth floor from whom Vilma Nociete borrowed a duplicate key. Fernandez had thought the man was just a visitor and never would have expected him to be a murderer. She described him as 5 feet 2 inches to 5 feet 3 inches in height, slim, dark-complexioned, and wearing a green sweatshirt and black shorts. At a press conference on April 7, a day after the massacre, Baguio City Police Chief Rolando Miranda identified this man that Fernandez had seen as 31-year-old Philip Tolentino Avino. He worked as a market porter, which would have made him very familiar with the Cayang Hilltop area. His connection to the Nocietes was a three-year romantic relationship with the family's Carinderia waitress, Samantha. Avino and Samantha were, in fact, live-in partners until they broke up over financial matters on April 4, just two days before the massacre. Avino didn't seem to take the breakup well. The Nocietes had been helping Samantha after the breakup, but Avino apparently saw this as an act of keeping the former lovers apart. According to police, Avino, possibly under the influence of drugs, might have displaced his anger on the Nocieta children when he couldn't find Vilma and Joey on whom he wanted to take his revenge. The helper Jonalyn and Joey Jr.'s playmates may have merely been collateral damage. 
A deeper look into Avinho's past revealed he has known residences at Upper P. Burgos, Baguio City, and 630 Doña Maria Street, Santa Ana, Manila. He was, in fact, originally from Manila, where, according to official records and his mother Modesta Avino, he had a pending arrest warrant for the rape of the 13-year-old household helper in their family's Sampaloc home. He fled north to Baguio between 2012 and 2013 and had since been living quietly under the alias Michael Jeronimo until he became the suspect in the Kayang Hilltop Massacre. A manhunt was held for Avino, who was believed to have fled to Cubao, Quezon City in Metro Manila. Because the massacre had been tagged as the worst recent crime in the history of Baguio City, Mauricio Domogan, the city mayor, was prompted to put up a reward for the capture of Avino. On April 8, Baguio City Police Chief Rolando Miranda, holding up a photo of Avino, announced on national TV the bounty offered for Avinho's arrest in the amount of 100,000 pesos or almost 2,000 US dollars in 2020. Upon hearing this announcement, Avinho's half-brother, Quezon City Police Officer Jeffrey Santa Ana, arranged for Avinho's surrender with the help of Manila Councilor DJ Bagaching and Avinho's aunt, Chit Tolentino, who was chairwoman of Barangay 584 in Manila. Avinho feared for his life after finding out there was a bounty for his arrest, but said he would only turn himself in to Manila Vice Mayor Isco Moreno. Avinho surrendered to Moreno at about midnight of April 8. The next day, he was turned over to the Baguio City Police Office or BCPO, where he was made to wear a bulletproof vest and combat helmet to protect him from the angry relatives of the victims who stormed the BCPO seeking vengeance. He continued to deny his involvement in the crime, but bloodied articles of clothing left at the crime scene pointed to him. The suspect had apparently changed his clothes before he fled the Nusieta's apartment, leaving behind a pair of black shorts with the label Sean Jeans and a green belt attached to it. Avinho's ex-girlfriend Samantha identified the belt as a gift she had given to him. Avinho remained under tight security during his trial flanked by heavily armed guards as he entered his not guilty plea before Judge Mia Joy Kawed of Baguio City's Regional Trial Court Branch 4. Despite his denial of his involvement in the crime, there were several eyewitness testimonies proving otherwise, including those of key witnesses May Dumpit Fernandez and Avinho's ex-girlfriend Samantha, whose real name was revealed to be Maribel Mitch Coronel. Other witnesses also placed him in the Baguio City public market between 3.30 and 6.30 p.m. on the day of the crime, despite his initial claim that he was already in Cubao during that time. The most definitive pieces of evidence, however, came from DNA analysis. Blood swabbed from several places and items, namely the apartment's bathroom, one of the bedroom cabinets, one of the women's bags, and the black shorts and belt left behind by the suspect all placed Avino at the scene of the crime. Perhaps due to the overwhelming evidence presented against him, Avino did not take the stand to support his defense. On January 28, 2016, almost two years after the Baguio massacre, Judge Mia Joy Kawed finally issued her judgment on the case in a 21-page decision. She found Philip Tolentino Avino guilty beyond reasonable doubt 
convicting him of five counts of murder, sentencing him to suffer the maximum penalty of reclusión perpetua with no possibility of parole, and ordering him to pay the heirs of the victims for civil indemnity, moral damages, and exemplary damages. Judge Coward said Avino would have been sentenced to death for his brutal massacre, but the Philippines, fortunately for him, no longer has the death penalty. To support Stories After Dark, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also suggest cases or send personal stories to storiesafterdarkph at gmail.com and become an official patron at patreon.com slash storiesafterdark. All of the links are in the episode description. Thank you for listening.